0: Grab something as you come. (laughs) That's the perfect baby. You don't have to have the nine months of pregnancy. They're already drinking from the bottle. It's like easy. (laughs) Oh. number 37 with the red shirt, number 37 to the front. I mean, <clears throat> Vasen. <laughs> Vaughn, in, come grab a seat. Cheryl, Marta. Guys, let's get started. There's a whole lot of family going on. That's great, eh? It's fantastic to see. Hey? Michael, your wife is instructing you. (laughs) Yes, I've asked Bianca to record, so that's great. So welcome, everybody, uh, to all our leaders and potential leaders And even if you just joined because you wanted to, that's totally cool. We need many, many more people to catch Jesus' heart for his bride, his people, uh, and the kingdom. And so um, you're welcome this morning. Just a couple of really short admin things before I hand over to Ed and Hides. Just in terms of dates. So what we've tried to do this year with our church calendar is just trim down the number of events that happened in the last four or five months, because it's the end of the year, it's crazy, kids have got exams, etc., etc., and so you'll notice there's, there's fewer things happening at the end of the year, but because the big ones we want everyone to get to, does that make sense? So there is theology, but that's on a Sunday, there is the odd outreach on a Saturday, there is some gather the girls events, but just in terms of church-wide events, there are two big ones for the rest of the year. The first one, please take a note, the NCMI Quip, 4th to the 6th of October. We're going to close down life groups that week to make sure we can all get at least to the evening sessions. And if you can take leave to get to the day sessions, it's an incredible investment in your faith as God is calling you. So, 4th to 6th October, it's the equip. And then on the 3rd of December, we're going to do something a bit different. Normally, we've done a carol's evening, like a Friday night or a Sunday night, but it's a lot of extra work for the band. They spend months prepping for carols to do another whole event right at the end of the year. So we're taking a step of faith, and we're going to do a Sunday morning carol slash production. And we have no idea what that looks like yet. Lorraine, I can see you smiling. It won't look like that. (laughs) I don't know what it's going to look like. But what we're trusting for is not just to celebrate the Christmas and the end of the year, but we want it to be an outreach we can invite people to, to see people saved. So please keep that date, Sunday morning, the 3rd of December, um, in your diaries. And we'll announce them as we go along. Cool. And that's it for me. Let's ready our hearts for Ed and Heidi. Father, we thank you that you have spoken. And we are anticipating and looking forward to eagerly more of your heart and your mind. In Jesus' name. Amen. Ed. two or three hours, but not less than, I'm joking. But 45 minutes
1: to an hour. Hello, everybody. Hello. Can I, s- yeah, it's 10 to what? 10 to 11. Oh, okay, cool. Shall we pray? What you said in your word to the churches in Revelation, he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. And I ask you, Father, in Jesus' name, that we would both personally and together corporately hear what you are saying. Pray, Father, that as your Spirit speaks to us, both individually and together, that, Lord, it would come with conviction, clarity, and courage to obey. Really, Father, I'm looking for that which comes from you, that which is of your spirit, that which glorifies our Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. (coughs) Uh, Just that theme of uh, the faces of church and and understanding that, I don't know if this is theologically correct uh, or theologically taught, but I think that churches have graces on them. That perhaps a church has a grace to be a lion. Another church has a grace to be an ox. Another church has a grace to... I think that there are some graces on churches. I'd like to ask this question um and i would i would ask you individually uh, but i don't want to put anybody on the spot but i'd like to hear from you guys when you think of this church what's the graces on it sorry can i'm going to hand you the mic and uh, so probably nobody will answer another one but can you just expound it a little bit let me, let me put it to you like this. When At the end of last year, I asked, we were over our holidays, I said, Lord, what is the grace over our sight? Because I know that we need to we need to work on our weak muscles, and I know that we need to, we, we can't just lock up, well, I'm a lion, so I'll just draw, and I don't ever have to be nice, okay, for want of a better word. But I did ask the Lord, Lord, what are the graces over our sight or our church? Because... Um, Because as much as we need to give weak muscles attention, we need to give strong muscles attention. And uh, in sitting back, I said, Lord, there's a grace over our church uh, in the area of worship. There's a grace over our church in the area of belonging. There's a grace over our church in the area of addictions. Not that people come and we impart addictions, (laughs) but there's a grace in our church to to see people set free from addiction. And it was really important to understand that because if there's a grace over our church to see people being set free, what what kind of people are going to arrive? The guys in bondage. And that's quite a shock. Okay? Because there's a grace here to see people set free, but I don't want to see people arrive in bondage. Then why would there be a grace to see people set free? So, we are seeing some really interesting sparrows (laughs) arriving at church, because if there's a grace to see people set free, they're going to arrive bound. So, does that? So, I can't remember your name. No, you did. You did earlier on. So, what is the... Um,
0: I think it's coming from a background where you feel constrained at church. I think one of the first services we came, uh, Glendon was at the front and he was throwing his son up in the air. (laughs) And we were shocked. (laughs) So, in a good way. way, uh, And being in a space where you can feel free to be yourself uh, and and feeling free to express yourself as you feel led.
1: So what, what is your name? I think there's a grace of giving to the to the needy because it's been a, a very big thing here in the location and then to try and equip those people
2: um, with care ministry and 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 also in giving not just always things but of each other so a grace where ladies and men can feel freedom to
1: just I think maybe even have a bit of healing time. Hey, yeah. Thank you. Molly here.
3: Um, so I definitely oh. think within the the gathering time that we have, your worship, I think is is phenomenal, um, and I think it's something that um, the team, their heart is worship. So when the the heart is is right, we all get drawn closer. So that, that to me, for me personally, I think um, is quite amazing. I think the other thing, there's a, there's a, um, a starting of a prophetic movement um, within our gatherings and then um, moving outside of the walls of this building, I think an outreach and a heart for the lost, um, very much so. Um, and yeah, what I, what I want to touch on with Tonya said also is um, um, a heart for the, the hurting. Not
4: only the loss, but the hurting as well. Thanks. I think there's a loving courage behind the teaching of truth. What I mean by that is that uh, there's a boldness to actually speak against uh, the relativistic views of the world, which are accepting sin. And um, it's normally done in a, I would say most of the time, in a loving way. Um, it's a hard one, um, and uh, but it takes some bravery to teach truth. And if you have, if you don't teach truth, then uh, we're just tickling people's ears and letting them live in their sin.
1: I would expect that from Glennon.
2: Um, so I think. Very similar. What was said was um, about worship. For me, like the greatest thing when we started coming was connect that we could connect with God. You know, we could feel God. We could experience Him in worship, and um, that was something that I really missed for a long time. And um, that connection with God. You know, and saying that, then there is a lot emphasis um, on your personal growth and your personal connection with, with Jesus and personal connection with the Father. And um, I think that encouragement for your own personal relationship and not drawing from somewhere else. Um, and lastly, um, great strength of this church, I would say, is including people. Um, one of the things we experience and we, I see with other people is not just um, saying, I'm going to be the pastor and I'm going to do everything because I can do everything the best. But it's like, what can you do? How do you want to involve? How can you serve God? How can you get involved? And um, I think that also, you know, allows people to feel um, that belonging, but also feeling like they can get involved and can serve God. And um, you're not too weak or, you know, too sinful to serve. So I would say accepting, um, I think, you know, just an extension of what Sonia has said on the needy and, and helping those, <coughs> um, we, there's, there's never been the sense of, oh gosh, you know, this person is not welcome here. Um, I think everyone from every walk of life, no matter your background, um, have, have always been, I think from what I've seen, made to feel welcome. And so, yeah, we're family. We're all brothers of Christ, and um, yeah, just accept everyone and and go out there, like you said, you know, looking for those who who need help and who are lost.
1: <coughs> From this side, yeah. What's the grace?
3: Yeah. Well I, I kinda just heather covered that in terms of acceptance. Uh, I think there's definitely a grace in terms of acceptance and uh also just kind of propelling people into uh what we feel God's called into. So um yeah and family.
1: <laughs> Anybody else? Um I'd like to <coughs> touch on two things. Um, this is not a preach, eh? This is just thoughts. Okay, so I don't have to. Um, I'd like to touch on two different thoughts. The one is the word gather. We'll get to that in a moment. And the other one is impetus versus momentum. Does anybody like to? And Glennon's way cleverer than me, so I'm a little bit nervous here to to like give the definitions of these words. But would anybody like to define the difference between impetus and momentum? Stuart? Okay, this needs a microphone. Now I can see this. is
4: <laughs> Like cause and effect. So impetus is like what initiates something moving and gaining momentum. Momentum, even if the force stops, can still move based on the energy that's still within the object.
1: Okay, so the, the simple man, the plumber's definition of <laughs> momentum versus inter- impetus is that impetus is the fire inside you, momentum is the fire around you. So a jumbo jet weighs in the region of 400 tons. Did you know that? If you think about that, do you know these trucks that are driving you crazy? Well, you don't have them here, do you? No, you don't. Not like we do in KZN. You guys send them down to KZN, and we crash them. <laughs> we burn them as well. So those, those on average are about 32 tons, I think, aren't they? Those big trucks. So you're talking about 12 of those. That's the weight of a jumbo jet. And it lands at 280 kilometers an hour. Do you know that if a jumbo jet lands and it doesn't apply reverse thrust and it doesn't apply brakes, there's not a runway in the world long enough for it to stop? Did you know that? It will just, if you don't put reverse thrust, and you don't apply brakes, not a runway in the world long enough. Do you know, but do you know all you have to do to get it to stop? Nothing. Because what's it running on when it lands? Momentum. If you look at a jumbo jet when it lands, and you look at one taking off, you can't tell which one's landing and which one's taking off. Because they both look exactly the same. The difference is, The one can take off and the one can't. You cannot take off on momentum. Okay. You can go for a heck of a long way on momentum. And you can look the same. And there's no runway on the world long enough to stop you. But the one thing you cannot do under momentum is take off. Taking off requires impetus. And one of the challenges... Because if, if I think of church vocabulary, the word momentum pops up all the time. When I've got a good momentum, there's momentum here, there's momentum there. We talk about momentum all the time. And it's a great thing, friends. Momentum is a useful thing. But don't take off with momentum. You take off with impetus. And it's very easy for us to be encouraged and rely on the fire around us instead of the fire inside of us. And I want i want to say that as a church, and I want to say that to you as an individual person, is that your impetus is actually more important than the momentum that takes place. I was thinking of Jesus. Jesus is 12 years old in Luke chapter 2 when he gets lost by his parents. Do you remember that? What was his answer to them when they found him? Yeah. He's, t- he's 12 years old, guys. He's 12 years old, and he has, a, he has a deep, clear conviction of life's purpose and calling. At 12 years old, he's able to say, I know what my life is about. That's impetus. Okay. Then, the, and by the way, those are the first words of Jesus recorded in the scriptures. Why were you looking anywhere else? Didn't you not need to be about my father's business? Then we come to Luke chapter 3, verse 21, where, well, let me read from in, in what happens in Luke. The first, when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized, um, and it says, the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. That's Luke chapter 3, verse 22. Luke chapter 4, verse 1. Jesus, full of the Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. In chapter 4, verse 14, it says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit and was led by the Spirit into the desert, verse 14. And then in verse verse 18, it says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. This is. Just look at the progression in Jesus. He's a little boy of 12, and there is this fire inside of him. He comes out of the waters of baptism. He's baptized in the Spirit. He's led by the Spirit. He's empowered by the Spirit. He returns in the fullness of the Spirit. He talks about the anointing. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. That's impetus, friends. And for you as an individual, for me as an individual, I I have to have to maintain my impetus. And my impetus is maintained in worship, in the ingesting of God's word in its many, many ways, my devotional life, my being filled with the Spirit. I want to say this as leaders, that Paul boasts about his speaking in tongues. He says, I speak in tongues more than all of you. And we don't have a huge emphasis in the, in the church of 2023 on seeing people baptized in the Holy Spirit and talking in tongues. I just want to say that if God sees fit to give us a gift and we don't see the need for the gift, we're either flippant arrogant or very stupid. One of the two. If God says, here is a gift... And I think I don't need it. That's arrogant. Or just really stupid. And I don't know how else to expound that. I don't know how else to expound it. You have to take care of the fire inside you. And not just rely on the fire around you. And most of you will know Ray Oliver. I mean, Ray is just about to turn 80. He, he just came back from a three-week mission in Malawi where he camped the entire time. He's 79 years old. And he is counting for God like Billy Graham. Whenever, I, I mean, I can't keep up with Ray's program. He's 79. Give Ray an open topic of discussion and see what he speaks about. What do you think he's going to talk about? not going to talk about eschatology, the return of Jesus. He's going to talk to you about your quiet times. He's going to talk to you about your devotional life. He's going to talk to you about your reading of the Scripture, your times of worship, your times of prayer. He's going to talk to you about He's 80. He's ministered his whole life. And this thing of keeping the fire inside of us. Because I have, I mean, the, the periods of momentum are wonderful. But they're not there all the time. They, they just aren't. And if that thing, you've got to fight for that, friends. My grandmother had a hotel. <coughs> and um, when I was a little, like, I used to like baking. I don't anymore. Because um, I've since discovered that there are male roles and female roles. No, I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking, joking, I knew they would get a response, but um, I don't like baking or cooking, I just like eating now, and anyway, when I was a little guy, I used to love baking, but we had a tiny pantry, in fact, we didn't have a pantry, we had a cupboard, we had a grocery cupboard, and I was like, I wanted to make brownies or Swiss rolls or cakes, we never had all the ingredients. We're always short. I remember going over to the neighbor, I don't know how many times, can I have a cup of this? Can I have bicarbonate of soda? Can I have some vanilla essence? Can I borrow some of this? Do you know what I'm saying? Then, then we would go on holiday and spend holiday with my grandmother at her hotel. And she had a pantry. And there was there was no recipe that you could find that the ingredients weren't in her pantry. It was a zuck. Amazing. Everything from pickled onions to bulton and meringues. Anything you wanted was in my grandmother's pantry. And and friends, this maintaining impetus is like stocking your pantry. When your pantry is stocked, you can be given any recipe at any time and the ingredients are there. Does that make sense? See, it's lovely when somebody gives a prophetic word, and it's just for you. Don't you love that? But that doesn't stock your pantry. Do you know what stocks your pantry when it comes to the word? It's day after day after day, reading and memorizing. That stocks your pantry. Hart said a thing the other day that was so beautiful when she, she said, I love the prophetic words, but I'm so grateful to God for his daily word. That's what stocks your pantry. And, um, and that's what gives you impetus. You keep your worship account full. You keep your speaking in tongues account full. You keep your reading of his word keep that full. And by the way, when it comes to your pantry, it's not just what you keep in, it's what you keep out. All right. Uh, did a trip to Zim. By the way, I've done 119 trips. Okay. And um, we did a trip to Zim, Hads uh, and many years ago, and we put our fuel, it was in sealed containers, but in the same trailer as our food. And we traveled for 20 hours. Do you think the bananas tasted like petrol or the petrol smelt like bananas? <laughs> I don't know how it happens. The petrol is in a sealed container and the bananas are in a sealed packet. But the bananas tasted like petrol. You keep the petrol out your pantry. You've got to keep your pantry, friends. You've got to keep it well stocked of the good stuff, and you've got to make sure there isn't the bad stuff. And whatever it is, you know, that good stuff, bad stuff for you might be good stuff for somebody else. It isn't one size fits all. So, friends, watch your pantries. Keep your fire going. The second thing I'd like to say to you is this thing of gathering. I think, I mean, obviously, I lead a site, I lead a church. And I have noticed in the years preceding COVID, it, there was this challenge together. And I've noticed that since COVID, it's like, what do you call it? Exponential. It's just really difficult to bring the church together. And if I'm honest, our Sunday meetings are, are pretty good. But if our prayer meeting is a reflection on the health of our church, oh, we are dismal. And if our people attending connect groups and life groups is an indication of the health of our church, we have some serious work to be done. And I remember 30 years ago, South Africa had a culture of church. Think about it. You went to church. In fact, if I go back a little bit, I was saved in 1975, the culture that I was saved into, you pray every single day. Like the idea of going a day without praying, I didn't have to join a discipleship group to figure out that I had to pray every day. It was just, that's what a believer does. You get born again, you get baptized in water, you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, you speak in tongues. You read your Bible every day, you pray every day, you tithe. And you go to church. wasn't a revelation. wasn't like some absurd bar to reach. That's what you do. I brush my teeth every day. Why would you not? I read my Bible every day. These days, you talk to people about reading their Bible every day, praying every day, going to church and tithing. It's like you've asked them to do the most impossible thing on the planet. How's it possible? Forty years ago, that was the norm. So we are fighting something that we're fighting a culture, friends, where church and, and the expressions of church and what I was talking about this morning about the body and belonging together is, is honestly not the culture anymore. And, and so I'm looking at our leaders. I'm looking at our elders, and I'm looking at our leaders of Worldview and saying, guys, how do we gather in 2023 and 2024? What, 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 how do it's a whole new emphasis required? How do we build connect groups? How do we build life groups? How do we build kids' ministry in 2024? In the years we're in, it seems to have got so difficult. And what what required an announcement 15 years ago just doesn't work anymore. I have constantly guys in the church coming to me and saying, um, Ed, can we make an announcement we need more helpers on the media? No, you can't. Why? It's not going to do anything. It's just, it's just not going to gather. Can we make an announcement we need gospel kids ministry? No. You're just wasting microphone time because nobody's going to join. It's, it's, I think we have to come back to Jesus. Jesus chose 12, went off to 12, knew their names. And this blanket approach to gathering just doesn't work anymore. And I I, I feel like, I I mean, I don't know that I've ever preached at a leaders meeting and just mentioned the word gathering. But I feel like I, 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 I want to, hopefully by the Spirit of God, kind of like put a stamp on this church. And impress on you the need to gather. The need to fetch. The need to one-on-one fetch. I'll be at your house. I'll fetch you for prayer meeting. Not just a WhatsApp group call, hey, there's prayer meeting on Sunday. I will fetch you for prayer meeting. I will fetch you for connect group. And somehow change this culture. Does that make sense, guys? So <clears throat> forgive me, Terry and forgive me, Glennon and Canis. but you will have heard me preach on Zechariah 11 verse 7 many, many times. Okay. Or not preach on it, but mention it. So I think that as leaders, over your journey, let's say you've been a leader for 40 years in the church, there will be scriptures that God used that he spoke to you that shaped your understanding of leadership. And they'll be different to somebody else. And, 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 and they're kind of like, there's all this generic teaching about leadership, but you'll know God said that to me. And it's become the hallmark, the, the characteristic of my leadership. And for me, Zechariah 11 verse 7, I, it was like God spoke that verse to me 40 years ago. This thing, Ed, will be a hallmark of what it means for you to lead. And it's one of those verses that if you had a paper Bible, it still smells new. I mean, nobody reads Zechariah 11, okay? It says this. So I pastored the flock marked for slaughter, particularly the oppressed of the flock. I took two staffs. I called the one favor and the other union, and I pastored the flock. Have any of you guys read it? It's a, it's a funny verse. Like you read it. In fact, it's so obscure, you don't even think, let me try and understand it because it's just A weird thing. But I think it is a verse that prompted, I'm just thinking, that prompted Jesus' John chapter 10, I'm the good shepherd. Two starves, one called favor and the other called union. The word favor in Hebrew is the word noam. It's where you get the word Naomi from. Do you know what the word Naomi means? Pleasant. Grace. Kindness—it's so a lovely word, okay. So, I took two staffs. I called the one favor, pleasant, Noam, sweetness, grace, and that's an easy staff to get your head around, isn't it? I mean, let's just be nice, okay? It's basically good manners. When you when you pastor with the staff of Noam, you're just being nice. You've been kind. You you're taking notice of people. You're trying to remember their names. You're not looking over them to see if there's a more important person to have a chat with. Don't you hate that? Don't you hate it when somebody's talking to you and you know that they're just trying to find somebody more important? I mean, it's honest, it's rude. So so that's the that's the staff of Noah. But then he says, and I called the other one union. And that in Hebrew is the Hebrew word kebel, K-H-E-B-E-L, and it means rope. Rope. And this for me is the really the one that we need to think through. What does it mean to pastor with rope? The first meaning of the word rope is to bind. Okay? And bind can be a negative word, but it's a very positive word. Because what, what rope does, if you have this understanding that God has given me rope, rope goes around and it, do you remember we used to sing that song for those of you that are old? Bind us together, Lord, bind us. Do you remember that? Come on, some of you guys remember that. It was a positive thing. Yeah. It, it meant that we were looking for people on the outside. We were looking for people that didn't feel like they belong. We were looking for sparrows. And we were binding them. And in that sense, bonding is not restrictive, it's inclusive. It's making people feel like they belong, making people feel like they're noticed, making people feel like they're special. And I find myself myself, and with our leaders saying, guys, guys what does rope look like? Because a WhatsApp group is no longer rope. A, a pulpit announcement is no longer rope. It doesn't work anymore, friends. What do I need to do that gathers people? And in my mind, in 2023, it's requiring a lot more intention. It has to be a lot more personal. It has to be a lot more dogged. Do you know what I mean by dogged? You go after people. You know when somebody's dogged, they, they just they just go after it. So I want to leave that thought with you, Lord. Lord, in my sphere, in in, in Binding, in gathering, in holding, in including, what does it look like? And who are the people that you want me to gather? That's a really important thing. See, Jesus in John chapter 17, when he prays his priestly prayer, he makes two claims, just two. He says, I have revealed you to those you gave me, and I haven't lost any. That's quite a claim. And when he says, I haven't lost any, he's not referring to humanity. He's referring to 12. Saying, Lord, you gave me 12. I revealed you to those 12, and I haven't lost any of those 12. And so in our gathering, I'm trying to gather, I lead a church, I'm trying to gather the whole time. But I have to say, Lord, whom are the 12 that I'm answering for? Because I don't want to lose any of those. And it requires constant communication. It requires constant phone calls. It requires constant coffees. Laney said a really interesting thing to me many, many years ago. When we were leading LRC, uh, when we had first taken over, Hyde and I started phoning and visiting all the visitors. And it was great, because you know what we found? One, they were happy to have us in their home, so we were leading the church. If we found new time visitors and said they'd heard us, they'd seen me preach on the Sunday, and I found them up on Wednesday and said, hey, can we come and visit you? What do you think they said? Absolutely. Would you like to come for dinner? And then if we asked them to join or join our connect group, what do you think they said? Absolutely. You know what Laney said to me? She said, Ed, when you visit, it makes it, it, makes it impossible for me to visit. I don't know if you remember that. Because it's like they now, and let's just be honest, everybody wants to relate to who in the church? The mango. guy. They want to relate to the pastor. So if he's doing all of that sort of stuff, the elders are coming along, I don't want the elder. Forgive me for saying this, friends, but it's human nature. I don't want the elder. I, I, I phone, I phone Glendon. <laughs> Glendon, answers, Glendon. Glendon answers my phone. I don't have to phone. does it make sense, friends. And so it's, it's really important in your saying, Lord, I'm gathering who you gather. Yes, I pastor the whole church. Yes, the, the whole church, we have access to the whole church. But, but those people, Lord, I'm going after those guys. Does that make sense? Yes, it's true. Where did you go to school? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh,
4: You're running after the chicken, and obviously you don't want the chicken to think that you're trying to catch it. um, (laughs) But at what point do you confront the chicken and say, "I'm going to catch you and put you back in the coop"? (laughs) (laughs) No, you've been using the rope. You put it back in the coop, and it escapes. (laughs)
1: When Jesus washed the disciples' feet, did he wash Judas's? Yes. Do you think Judas Jesus knew that Judas was gonna betray him at that point? Yes. The fact that Jesus washed his feet tells me that Jesus never gave up on him. And I think I just think do you remember do you remember when the 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 Jesus told the parable he said a man planted a tree? It didn't bear fruit. He said to his servant, chop it down. The servant said, no, no, no. Let me water it and fertilize it. And if it doesn't bear fruit this year or next year, if by the third year of me looking after it, it hasn't, we'll chop it down. So I think some guys will be different. You ask another guy, he'll tell you a different thing. But I think we err on the side of always believing. And always hoping these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. Gratitude is love. I think we were on the side of not giving up. Because i tell you what I've seen. I've seen some guys who you think are not going to make it. And then some suddenly, for whatever reason, I don't know what changes. The breakthrough comes. And you're just so glad you didn't give up. Does that help you with your chicken coop story? Yeah, <laughs> um, I think when Jesus spoke about casting his pearl before the sw- pearl before the swine, I think it was. I think Jesus was trying to provoke something. Do you remember when the Samaritan woman uh, came and said, uh, um, "Heal my daughter," I think she was demon possessed, and Jesus said, "It's not right to take the food, the children's food, and give it." He was provoking something. He wanted to see the depth of her faith. And she said, yeah, but even the dogs eat the crumbs. And Jesus said to her, commended her for her faith. I think that in the context of casting pearl before swine, uh, I think Jesus is provoking something in us, not making it our approach to people. Does that make sense? I don't know if there's a dog No, 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 no. Really? <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> maybe maybe that is a problem. Um, no, no, I'm joking. Sure. Um, so let me just, uh, it's, it's, I mean, it's great to ask these questions. We've had a, um, a couple that have been on the back foot uh, for a long time in the church. And suddenly they started firing maybe three or four months ago. And they were part of a pastoral team. So, what we have is we have uh, four elders, and they each look after a bunch of leaders. And hopefully, those leaders look after a whole bunch of sheep. But anyway, the, these guys haven't fired. And suddenly, they started firing. And they were part of a pastoral team. But the guy leading their pastoral team just doesn't, not, nothing wrong with them, and nothing wrong with them. It just doesn't work. We changed their pastoral team. And suddenly a different person is able to bring out different stuff. And maybe that is what's required sometimes. When you say, I, I've, I've worked and I've worked and i just can't, rather than write them off, is maybe somebody else will be able to bring them through. So in this instance, I actually went to the guy leading the pastoral team and said, do you mind if I pick these guys up? Because I feel like I connect with them and you seem to be banging your head. No criticism against you. Nobody's done anything wrong. It just works differently with different people. Does that make sense? Yeah. So that's why I say with this thing of rope, it's very intentional. It's people used to say, say to me, "Ed, you're a very relational guy." Um, I don't put much faith in relational people. I put faith in intentional people. I would rather deal with. I would rather a guy pastor the church that is not relational naturally, but very intentional then a guy pastored church who is very relational but not intentional. Because pastoring is a, is a it, it, it's, it, you don't leave pastoring of the church up to people's personalities. Does that make sense? Uh, Jeremiah 33 verse 13 says this, sheep will again pass under the hands of the ones who count them. How does a shepherd know that sheep are missing? He doesn't feel it. Oh, I feel a few sheep are missing. He knows sheep are missing because he counts them. It's very intentional. Does that make sense? So I really, I think that this, Lord, what does my rope look like? That's the question I'm wanting to leave with you guys, is, Lord, what does my rope look like? And and how how do I use it? And who do I gather? Bearing in mind that we gather the whole church, but, Lord, there are some that I'm going to give an account for. That makes sense. The other th- so, so this word kibbel it's used in two different instances in Scripture. One, it's used in the sense of binding together. But it's also used in the sense of marking out. So if you think of uh, Bible days, they didn't have tape measures. So how did you know how big a piece of land was? By the length of rope. Okay, there were cubits. And so when a person had their inheritance marked out for them, when a person bought a piece of land, they would mark it out by rope. This is the size of your inheritance. This is the size of your property. And so that was the second meaning of this. In fact, in Psalm 16, where it says, your measuring line marks out a delightful place. That's the Hebrew word kebel. Your measuring line. Your kebel. And so as leaders, we are using rope to gather, which is a relational word. But then we're also using rope to help people find their inheritance, which is a functional word. And so we are always looking at guys and, and, and asking this question, where do you fit? Like I look at, look at that scripture this morning, um, even the sparrow has a place where she can build her nest and have her young. It's functional. And, and so part of people belonging is that they find their God-given inheritance. They find their God-given gifting. They found, I find it quite amazing. When you start doing a series on gifting, watch how many people attend. Quite something, isn't it? What is it? Because it's in us. The very, very first words God spoke to humanity, be fruitful and multiply. It's a, it's a God trait inside of us to be fruitful. And so when we are, when we are helping people discover their space, Their inheritance, their gifting, we're appealing to that God thing inside of them to make a difference. And it's, like this morning, it's funny that Jermaine and Jess were here. I haven't seen Jermaine and Jess for for years, actually. They're very close to us, but I haven't seen them for a long time. And I was was just, I looked at them, and I felt it a couple of weeks ago. Everybody thinks of Jermaine, thinks worship. I felt some weeks ago, actually, Jermaine, I remember Looking at you years ago and thinking God's going to use you to speak, not just sing. Do, do you know, that's right. And then encouraging that person in that. And giving them space to, f- to function in that. Um, Hardy <laughs> found it much easier to cook than to teach our girls to cook. Sorry, let me not be gender, whatever here you found it much easier to do the cooking than teach our children to cook. Why? It's just easier. It takes time to teach your kids to cook. So let me just cook. You go and watch TV and I'll cook. But that doesn't help them. But it's easier and it's quicker. And with all of us in, in being intentional with our rope, I, I, I'm good at building. Let me just say that. I'm not good at many things, but I can honestly say I'm good at building and I'm good at woodwork. Um, and so when we have building projects at church, and we seem to have them all the time, I can actually do it quicker than the guys we employ, and most times I can do it better. But it doesn't help them. And one of our, our guys that I'm part of our building team came to Hards this week and said, I'm so enjoying working with Ed because I'm learning carpentry and I'm learning skills that I didn't have. But it's actually easier for me to grab. I can do it way quicker, I'd, and then I don't have to explain it, because explaining it is like so time-consuming, isn't it? You hold the screwdriver like this. How? No, oh, come on, just give me the screwdriver. <laughs> and um, so, beautiful scripture that. this To contemplate rope. What does rope look like relationally? How do I gather, guys? Um, interesting, uh, grant was. Uh, sharing the other day, Grant, who leads our, our churches. Um, <clears throat> do you know there's, over the years, there have been these many different sort of uh, lenses of leadership. A while back it was, let's look at prophets, priests, and kings. Remember that? And and then there is the strength finders. And there, there, there seem to be fads in terms of, of leaders. Yeah. And uh, recently, he mentioned to me that he had read an article – and uh, where they listed leadership strengths. And I can't remember what the other ones were, but one of them was warmth. Warmth. So God, and it wasn't in the Christian, it wasn't in a, in a Christian circle, it was business. God says, when I choose people, I look for this, I look for this. Most important one, I look for warmth. I remember being quite struck by that. But just think what warmth does. You respond to warmth more than you respond to efficiency. So you come to church, going, looking at the Ephesians example again, you come to church and there can be super efficient guys. But which one do you go to? You go to warm, warmth. Guys, this quality of warmth. I know I'm talking too much now. Let me end with this. Absalom, son of David. Remember that. Was a nothing. He was a nothing. He was a nobody except he had long hair and he was good looking. That was his claim to fame. What was David's claim to fame? Killed Goliath. Led the nation. Defeated the enemies. Brilliant king most of the time. But like they sang songs about him. There was no song about Absalom. But they sang songs about David. He was... He was the Mandela of the day, seriously. I'm going to put this in political terms. Okay. He was the Mandela of the day. But Julius Malema (laughs) became the president. (laughs) I know, I'm I'm stepping on toes here. (laughs) And you ask yourself, how? (laughs) How did, because Absalom took the throne from David. I think it's in Second Samuel, chapter 14. I might be wrong, but it's somewhere around about there. How on earth did a nobody take the throne from the national hero? It's an interesting story to read. It took him four years. Four years. Do you know what he did? He positioned himself at the city gates. And he was warm. It's was just warm. He greeted everybody that came past. He listened to them, gave them a hug. And when people, when people would bow down to, to honor him, it says he would lift them up and he would kiss them. He understood warmth, friends. <laughs> hey? <laughs> friends, this thing of warmth is, is an unbelievable gathering gift. I've looked at some guys, honestly, that preach terribly. <laughs> okay? That, that ramble... Oh, my word. Like, can you not just say it? I, and, and, and when they finish talking, I'm, I'm confused as to what they were trying to say. And I look at the, how people follow them. And you, not you. but <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm serious, guys. I, I look at some people and think, how do you do it? Do you know what it is? It's warmth. It's just warm. And uh, I, think it's a, I think it's a really important lesson to learn. Because Absalom took the throne from David just because he was warm. He gave people time of day. And he he took the throne. So I know I've thrown a lot of thoughts out there. Impetus versus momentum. Momentum is great. But the fire inside you is more important than the fire around you. And then secondly, as a leadership team, as leaders, please, don't don't just take this as a one-off thought, but this a role that you and I fulfill of gathering. Go and think about it. Re identify it. Reinvent it. Because gathering for us as a church in 2023 requires reinventing. We have to reinvent. Contemplate this thing of, go and read Zechariah 11, verse 7. What does it mean to have a staff that means kindness? Grace. What does is, a what is staff of grace look like? And then contemplate this. What does a staff of rope look like? How do I gather? Who do I gather? How do I help them find out what it is that God wants them to do? What, how do I help them find out what God has prepared for them? Okay. Thank you.
0: Isn't that amazing? Ed sort of speaking about impetus, the fire inside us. He doesn't know that we spent the last two weeks looking at how we spend time with God and praying and reading the Bible and being filled with the Spirit. So it's amazing how God is just confirming. Hey, incredible. Yeah, lots to chew on. Uh, thank you guys. Um, Vassen is giving lessons in warmth. <laughs> I'm giving lessons in efficiency. <laughs> it's funny when I come to church, everyone goes to Vas. So uh yeah, it's, it's a real challenge for us who are human doers and not human beings, and it's a great... <laughs> yeah. You're welcome to say something.
3: Guys, um, this think about the rope, right? And as leaders, just the challenge is that who are you roping in, right? I look around, we've got 30 people in here, I think, right? If you take one person in this church... That doubles our numbers. Yeah? So, we average 60 to 70 people at church on a Sunday. Who's the one person that you have? Outside of this room. Because all these guys are cool, right? <laughs> outside of this room, who's the one person that I can challenge you to say you've roped in to your circle? Because then what uh, Struan's talking about, when the one leaves the... What's it Yeah, He should be able to be safe to say, hey... Vim, can you pick up on this person? Because that's what the team is doing, right? But I'm just saying, it's like, just a challenge for this week. The one or two people that you are roping in, and I promise you that the family that Ed spoke about this morning would be real. Yeah?
0: Father, we are so grateful for these truths and these reminders. I pray, work them deep into our hearts wouldn't just be an idea that's gone in a week, but something that is just placed in the fabric inside us. How much you love your bride, how much you care for her, how gracious you are, and how truthful. Father, give us creativity and skill and wisdom and discernment and insight to lead these people into the inheritance you've called them to have. In Jesus' name, amen.